Today, I sat down with Mike Payton. Payton, as he prefers to be known, is the former visionary of EOS. He was the man who stepped into the very large shoes of Gina Wickman, the person who wrote the entrepreneurial operating system. And today, we speak all about what it is to run a business as a startup founder. Peyton dives deep into EOS and how to actually get a grip on your business. And from a personal standpoint, we've been running on EOS for a year now. And I cannot tell you the impact it has to businesses like ours globally. So if you're running a business, I would highly consider reading the book, but don't take it from me. Have a listen and hear it from Peyton, the man himself. Hi, and welcome to Successful Scales the show where I interview now successful professionals about their journey and try and garner insights onto any tips that can be applied to your business at home. Whether it's financial freedom or the exit of your company, wherever your journey may take you, the idea here is to simply learn from those who have done it before. I hope you enjoy and you get some value out of this. Buckle up and enjoy the episode. Mr. Mike Payton, it is an absolute privilege and an honor to have you on an episode of Successful Scales. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, My pleasure, Yanni. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I was saying to you before, I cannot tell you the number of times the conversation comes up about EOS, getting a grip on your business, traction, I mean, you know, and all the other ancillary books that help support the growth of businesses. So before we dive into that, uh, you're going to be able to tell your story much better than I will. So I'd love you to just give us a little bit of a background as to exactly who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, so um, everybody calls me Peyton, first of all, so please feel free doing that. I want your listeners to know that when you do it, uh, it's for a reason. And, um, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household and, you know, I saw firsthand, my, my parents were both running entrepreneurial businesses and I saw firsthand that, you know, you never shut that off. And uh, so, of course, right out of school, I decided I wasn't going to pursue that path. That seemed a little crazy. You never want to follow exactly in your parents' footsteps. And so I started my career in banking and cut my teeth kind of learning about what made for a successful business and what made for an unsuccessful business and what made for a a leader living a great, healthy life and, and why leaders were struggling. And I was just fascinated by that. And quite frankly, a lot more fascinated than I was hanging out with other bankers. Learned a lot, really appreciated the education I got in banking, but I always felt like I was biding my time. You know, when I grew up, I, I, I was going to know what I wanted to do myself. And uh, so after about 10 years in banking, I, I joined the leadership team of one of my clients, uh, uh, pre-dot-com bubble bursting entrepreneurial businesses and, you know, started my first of four entrepreneurial experiences, two uh, great successes, two dismal train wrecks. I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the train wrecks because everything I know I learned from failing. And the good news is I think I'm pretty smart because I have failed a lot. And, uh, you know, you just, you just learn over and over and over again, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. Let's try something different. And and that's how I discovered EOS. I was trying to run a $7 million business in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was stuck and frustrated. I talked to a neighbor about um, why I was stuck and frustrated. And he whipped out the initial publishing published version of Traction in 2007. And I fell in love. I just, this was completely consistent with the way I'd always thought 
well-run companies operated, but it was so much more complete and holistic and connected and accessible and practical and useful than anything I could have dreamed up myself. And so that was it. I've been doing EOS implementation ever since and uh, just lived to help other entrepreneurs avoid making the same mistakes I make every day. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, as someone who is such a firm and avid believer in, in EOS and traction, you know, I, I, you know, I fundamentally understand the journey. I understand the value and, you know, that's about 14 years now that you've been living and breathing by it. And, you know, I read a little bit into your bio as well. And I did my own sort of snooping around as, you know, I got to do my due diligence here. Um, did I read correctly? Have you implemented for more than 135 businesses? Yeah, about 140 now over 14 years, uh, 1,325 sessions or so. Um, and, and then, you know, probably 100 talks and workshops with rooms full of entrepreneurs and then lots and lots of quality time with other professional EOS implementers when I uh, was the visionary for EOS worldwide. And so I'm really immersed in this business of helping entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses by harnessing, you know, the simple tools we teach. And it is simple, or quite frankly, I wouldn't have made it 135 sessions, much less uh, 1300 sessions. So. Absolutely. And someone, you know, as a company going through this journey too, I, I totally understand. It's not about the over-indexing and over-complication of effectively, you know, how you get your business on track and how you can actually run it efficiently. It's the simple things that are actually replicable, you know, actionable, those are the things that are actually going to see you have that incremental push and improvement. Yeah. And I, I think that's Gino Wickman's great gift and he has a lot of them, but I think one of the things I, in, in hindsight, really appreciate is that he has a knack for really understanding why something isn't working. And then what he did with EOS was he put together a tool that would take an entrepreneurial leadership team dealing with a common issue right to the root of what's causing that issue and get them from point A where they're stuck to point B where they don't have to deal with that issue or any other issue like that again pretty quickly and permanently. And that's why EOS is as popular as it is and, um, and working really, really well for the companies that I'm familiar are running on. Yeah. So, so on that, before I dive into all the questions that I want to ask you specifically about your journey and, you know, and the businesses you've helped, uh, you know, again, you're going to do the best job at helping educate people and the audience that I'm looking to support. And these are all entrepreneurs, existing business owners, people who are really trying to have impact and grow to a level where, you know, they're, they're having a substantial uh, impact on whatever it is that they're working on. So I'd love to hear from your words, you know, being a former visionary of the business and an advocate for so many years, what the heck is EOS? <laughs> this yeah, is still... <laughs> yeah, so, so when I get asked that question, I always like to start at the high level, simple, and then go deeper. And I just ask you to manage me if I'm going too deep, okay? Um, so at, at the simplest level, EOS is a way of operating an entrepreneurial company that gets a leadership team on the same page with 
the company's vision, where you're going and how you plan to get there, helps you instill discipline and accountability in the organization. We call that traction and makes the people who own and run the company a more healthy, cohesive, functional leadership team. Because oftentimes in an entrepreneurial company growing as fast as, for example, your company is growing, you're just so busy in the trenches that you don't have time to really gel as a team. And so from there, we get to the point where everybody in the organization is using the EOS tools, which means everybody's on the same page with the vision. Everybody's executing with discipline and accountability, focused on the right stuff and pushing that stuff over the finish line, quarter in and quarter out. And everybody feels like they're part of a team working together to achieve that common vision. And that's EOS in a nutshell. I mean, again, you've broken it down so eloquently here. And, you know, for me going through it, it makes a whole lot of, of understanding. But for someone who was totally late, had no idea about EOS and the true power that exists in the business, like, you know, I know that the model breaks down so that you can either self-implement, you can leverage an implementer, which is, you know, when we talk about 140 businesses plus that you've supported, you know, what does that journey look like for someone who says, right, I'm at a point of growth. I am too stuck in the trenches. You know, how does that journey look? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, 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 the good news is there are between three and 400 professional EOS implementers around the globe doing this work. And so I would say to anybody who's curious to learn more, reach out to me or go to the EOS Worldwide website and find a local EOS implementer. I'll help you match to the right person because the first thing we do when we have a leadership team that thinks EOS might help them is we donate 90 minutes of our time and we paint a picture for them of what a company running on EOS looks and feels like. I tell my best friends who run entrepreneurial companies, they should do that with me, even if they have no intention of hiring me, because what it does is it paints a picture of what done looks like when you've successfully implemented EOS. So if you end up deciding to go read the books and download the free tools and implement yourself, you at least know what the journey or the roadmap should look like. So that's step one. Um, if you decide you want to do it on your own, there's also an assisted self-implementation approach where you can sign up for the online resources somebody like me uses to be really you know, good at this or work hard to be really good at it anyway. And, um, and that's a, a, an online tool we have called Basecamp. Or you can hire your EOS implementer and you get a guide to help run your EOS sessions, which are just full day meetings which allow you to master the foundational tools of EOS, migrate them into the organization and get your company to the point where it's strong in the six key components of the EOS model. And then you graduate. And so on average with the clients I've served, I'm spending about 10 days with them over two years and then they've got it and they're on our own. That's one of the things I really like about this business model is we're not trying to dig ourselves more deeply into your organization and get you to rely on us. We want you to be independently capable of mastering this simple system and using the tools and solving your own issues. And, and that's the journey. Yeah. Uh, well put and, and very clear. And, and I think also what's really important is someone going through this journey, we're probably nine months into our implementation of EOS 
one of the things that become very evident is, you know, you just stated that it's over a two year, 10 day effectively period. Now, it's not one of those things that you simply wave a magic wand and you say, great, I've got, I've got Peyton here. He's going to come in. He's going to fix my entire business. And that's the end of it. Um, it's the furthest thing from it. You know, you are going to leverage Peyton or someone, one of the four, three, 400 implementers potentially to implement it. And so it's like an ongoing journey for someone going through it. You know, you go through the first quarter, you build your rocks, which are effectively your 90 day goals inside of the business after you've built your core values. And after you understand if you've got the right people and the right seats, and if they get it, want it, if they're capable, I mean, I'm really brushing over some key fundamentals inside of it. Yeah. And I, and I would summarize what you're saying is very early on, even though it's a two year journey for most organizations, very early on, what I hear from my clients consistently is things are clearer they're simpler and I feel optimistic, okay? Now, sometimes clearer and simpler means you are now painfully aware of an issue you would rather not know about. And those are scary moments in this journey, right? It's, you know, oh my God, I'm gonna have to replace my entire leadership team. I've heard that multiple times. Oh my, I thought the rock star leader of sales that I had was an asset. Turns out he or she is chipping away at our culture in ways we can't even see. And so, you know, clarity, simplicity leads to achievement. And is it always smooth? Heck no. Uh, but I, I'll take clarity and simplicity over murkiness and complexity any day of the week. And then two years later, you feel like you know, you're on a journey and, and most of the time you're sitting back enjoying the ride and you're going to have quarters from time to time where all heck breaks loose. You're running an entrepreneurial company. You can't expect anything different than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's part of the, the fun and the excitement in it. And also, you know, that clarity, um, you know, as you're sitting here and you're outlining some of, some of the key points of what you can expect, you know, I'm sitting here just looking at, at our situation saying, spot on what happened to us we had a few key personnel they weren't right cultural fits as brilliant as they were and you know i would recommend them to people to work with absolutely they didn't fit our culture they weren't they weren't on the same level so it, it doesn't matter how good you are they were an inhibitor for our collective uniform growth and direction pushing forward so um lots of aha moments throughout the journey Good to hear. Good to hear. Totally normal. You're, what you're experiencing is, you know, 95% of the journeys include those kinds of things. And then, the, you know, then the, the process work, right? The most entrepreneurs, the idea of process is oh, a 500 page SOP manual and a bunch of robots running around not thinking for themselves. <laughs> I don't want that. Well, you know, our approach to strengthening the process component is entrepreneurial. It's high level. It's 2080. It's getting the basics done the right and best way every time, which frees you as an entrepreneur up to focus on something other than making sure the, you know, 100 plus people you've hired in the last year um, are doing something well consistently every time without you needing to be involved. And so, you know, that's everything that Gino baked into the entrepreneurial operating system and our EOS toolbox is designed to solve a common problem faced by an owner 
or leader trying to grow an entrepreneurial company. And over and over and over again, I've just seen that it's there for you when you need it. And my job is to teach people how to use it. Yeah. And you're really doing the Lord's work here because the number of, of entrepreneurs that are struggling through this journey is, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's limitless really in terms of how many people you're going to be able to impact. And I love the mission around implementation of, is it 10,000, 10,000 businesses by 2020 to run on EOS? Did we hit that target? Well, yeah. So I have a great story about that. We teach a discipline when we're setting the company's vision with our uh, clients, we use a tool called the VTO or the Vision Traction Organizer. It's got eight questions on it. The third question is, what's your 10-year target? And 10-year target is just a big goal. Jim Collins called it BHAG and good to great. Um, we call it 10-year target because most of our clients choose 10, but I've seen five years out and I've seen 30. And so when Gino started making the decision to share EOS with the world, he wrote in his 10-year target, 10,000 companies running on EOS by 2020. And when I took over as the visionary for Gino in January of 2015, I raised my hand at our first two-day annual and I said, where are we now? And I think the team said 2,300. And I said, oh my God, five years left. There's no way we're going to make it. You've been at this 10 years, Gino, and we're only at 2,300. And he and the other leadership team members talked me into waiting a year before I insisted that we consider changing it. And so the next year, I felt a little better about things. The flywheel was beginning to turn. And by the year after that, I came to the session advocating that it was so clear we were going to hit it, we needed to cast the net out another 10 years. And so now the 10-year target is 100,000 companies running on EOS by 2030. And that means somebody's hired a member of our professional implementer community to work with them, which means there would really be a million companies in the world using the EOS tools to help the leaders live better lives and the company get better results. Because for everybody who hires an EOS implementer, we found about nine companies are running EOS on their own. So the moral of the story is this, EOS Worldwide hit 10,000 companies running on EOS in October of 2020. Wow. October of 2020. And just so you know, for some context, when I went to boot camp in November of 2007, I asked Gino how many were running on EOS at that time, and he said 81. And so 81 to 10,000, in a little more than 10 years is crazy, but damned if we didn't hit it in 2020. It's an amazing story. Yeah, and I gotta say, I love the, the, the portion where you then being the true visionaries visionary here said, well, we've got to push it out even further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, I felt accountable, right? I'm like, oh, the visionary is the guy who makes sure we achieve our big goals. And so I, I'm coming in going, oh my God, I, don't, I feel this pressure. So it turns out at like many, many, many issues. And if you want the phone numbers of other leadership team members to corroborate this story, I'll give them to you. But many issues, I was wrong and, and a little bit of patience and, and uh, letting the team work their magic, uh, damned if we didn't get there as prescribed. Well, the whole, the whole nation, oh, nation, 
the whole notion of this show, Successful Scales, is really to help entrepreneurs on that journey looking to effectively scale businesses. And like I said before, you are the visionaries visionary. I mean, I feel like that's some pretty big shoes to fill, right? You're, you're stepping in. Gino's built what is an incredible infrastructure and system to help entrepreneurs get a grip on their business and drive that forward. I mean, what does that feel like? You know, how did, can you tell me the story? How did that come to be? How did you find yourself as the visionary? So I'll answer the first question very honestly. It's terrifying. (laughs) It is terrifying. So, you know, Gino built this amazing system and decided to share it with the world. And then he and his business partner, Don Tinney, build an organization and Gino's a compelling visionary and people love being in the room with him. And, and then one day he pulls me aside and says, Hey, Peyton, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't want to run this company. I don't want to be the face of the company. I want to go pursue other passions. I'm going to replace myself by my 50th birthday. And you're on my short list of candidates. Would you be interested in that? And so Gino and I invested in a three-year process to prepare for the transition. The first year was determining whether this was a good fit for both of us, both the organization and for me. And then the next two years was in preparing for him handing over the reins. It was an amazing succession plan, all built out of his great caretaking and awareness of how dangerous a lousy succession can be. And so I felt fully supported and prepared. He did an amazing job of letting go. And still, when I stood up in front of the implementer community for the first time in those big shoes, I was terrified. It's like a brand new skier finding himself on the top of the double black diamond hill. You know, I'm probably going to die, but I'm going to (laughs) try like hell to enjoy the ride. And you know, I survived five really fun, successful, challenging years. And, and then I felt it was my time to make way for somebody else. And so now Mark O'Donnell, uh, a world-class EOS implementer in his own right, great entrepreneur from Philadelphia, has stepped into the visionary shoes. And, and we went through a similarly careful uh, succession planning uh, process, changed the role. And, you know, that's what you got to do when you run an entrepreneurial company that it's growing at the pace and scale EOS is growing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, five years as the visionary. I mean, that would have been, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, like what an experience to have access to 140 plus businesses, plus all of the other implementers, plus driving this business forward. I mean, the stories that you'd have heard, the people you'd be exposed to, the lessons that you would have learned, even being the visionary and helping guide people. I mean, you know, it's perpetual learning. We're all, we're all gathering information from all. What, I've got to ask, what were some of the fundamental consistencies, you know, that obviously every, every business is different. Every person is different. But what are some of the fundamental hurdles, roadblocks, challenges, things that you saw that really inhibited people from, from moving into that state of flow? Yeah, you know, I mean, number one, it's really tough what, what has to happen in an entrepreneurial company that, that you started from scratch, right? I mean, if you just think about what happened. So when you start a business from scratch, by nature, You have to be a rugged individualist willing to do anything the business or your customers or your vendors require of you just to survive. 
And so you have this whatever it takes mentality. And then most of us are deathly afraid of failure and quasi perfectionists. And so we want to get everything exactly right. And so we're just beating ourselves hard to be great every day. And you soak a lot of time and energy and passion into that work. And then you hire your first person and your seventh person and your 23rd person. And the next thing you know, you're signing like 60 paychecks and you have to get good immediately, not at letting go of all the stuff you used to do yourself, trusting that other people who you know don't have any experience doing it the way you would do it if you were in charge are going to get great results. It's really hard. And so that's the number one challenge is learning to be a great, great letter goer rather than a great holder honor. And I'm no good at it. No entrepreneur, natural entrepreneur is, you know, I try and surround myself with people and empower them to rip stuff out of my hands because if, if they don't, I, 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 I will do it myself. So that's number one. And then number two is, you know, there's a tendency to be more afraid of change than you are the status quo. There's an old maxim, you know, that the hell you know is better than the hell you don't know. And so if you're so comfortable with the pain you're in today and you believe it's your lot in life to live the way you're living today, and you aren't willing to make some scary changes in order to have a different future. What's Albert Einstein's quotation? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results. So the, an unwillingness to change in order to get different results is the second thing. Letting go and an unwillingness to confront your issues head on and make change happen is, are the two things. And that sounds to me like the absolute fundamental visionary who, you know, is typically going to be stuck in, in that position. And so, I mean, you know, in your experience, and I'm trying to sort of look at this objectively as well, um, is it the sense that like, this is my baby, I've created it, and therefore I don't want to let go of the business that is, you know, the DNA of what I'm creating? Like, is that, is that, would you say that's one of the driving functions as to why people struggle to let go? Yeah, well, there's a million co core reasons. So sometimes it's because you don't have anybody on your team good enough to let go too. And so one of the things we talk about is right people, right seats. You know, and especially with visionaries, I say, if you're going to hire somebody you let go of sales to, you know, most visionaries are world-class salespeople. And when you also happen to be the owner of the company, you have a huge statistical advantage as a seller because you're making the rules up as you go along. Pricing, <laughs> yes. concessions, you know, committing to products and services you haven't even thought of yet because somebody asked you to do that. You're not going to let somebody join your team and do that, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, there's a reason why you don't let go because you require everybody else to follow a bunch of rules you won't require yourself. But, but what I'll say to the visionary is, Hire somebody who's so good at sales. When you catch yourself arguing with them about how they're going to go attack a prospect, you say to yourself, why am I arguing with the Tom Brady or the Lionel Messi of sales? I know that's stupid, right? That's 
So that's one thing. You got to have better people to let go. Another thing is you're busy, right? And it takes more time to train someone in than it does to just do it yourself until you get overwhelmed and stuff piles up and you lose passion and you lose customers. And here's the other thing. You lose great employees that could do it themselves if you just give them a chance because they're sitting around waiting for you to let them show you how good they are and you never let them run. So, I mean, I could go on and on. Sometimes it's psychosis. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's control. Uh, there's just a million, million. Sometimes it's that your process component is weak. Sometimes you don't have the right scorecard numbers that'll give you an indication people are off track. Sometimes your people are afraid to admit when they're confused or lost because you're more intimidating than you think you are. And, and they're trying to figure it out on their own where if they had come to you three weeks ago and said, Yanni, you remember that conversation we had where at the end you asked me if I was crystal clear on what you said and I kind of nodded my head. Inside the voice in my head was saying, I have no earthly idea what he just asked me to do. <laughs> so, there, I, honestly, I could go on for 20 minutes just on this subject. There's a million reasons that's why the process is so helpful because it gets right to the root of all those reasons. And I think that, you know, when you go through this EOS journey and I even think sort of looking backward from, from my personal experience, you know, there were things that happened in sort of the build out of this business and the previous businesses that I've been a part of that were the key driving lights and EOS really helped build that framework so that I understood, well, what was actually working and what I'm referencing is the fact that, you know, I would, I would, I'm sure the my team as well would look at me as the visionary and the addition of an integrator is a fundamental shift that I would say most entrepreneurs, like that's the wrapping your head around the fact that when you have someone who can actually, you know, I like to say I have 20 ideas a day. Maybe half of one of those ideas is a good idea if I'm lucky. And my integrator, who is our COO, Joan, she'll tell me straight up that those are all terrible ideas, but we could maybe work that one into something that's material. So I'd yeah. love, I'd love to hear just, your perspective. I, I need I need Joan's uh, address because I'm going to send her a bouquet of flowers and maybe a fifth of vodka as well. <laughs> She'd love both so, of those things. Yes, I've, that's good to hear. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, visionaries are great builders, challengers of the status quo, disruptors, innovators, inspirers. They are not great at keeping the trains running on time. In fact, while a visionary is always frustrated when somebody else hasn't kept the trains running on time and they're disrupted, they don't want to be responsible or accountable for that. And so, you know, a growing business with 10 or 40 or 100 people in it needs both. And you can't, the very few people on the planet can be great at both. And even if you could, at some point, the demands of each unique job get too big for one person to fill. And so, you know, one of the things we help our founding entrepreneurs do is determine whether or not at their core, they're visionaries, builders, disruptors, innovators, or executors, you know, which, which we end up uh, calling the integrator because they harmoniously integrate the way people play together. And, you know, we want both 
people in this vital organization to play roles that they love playing and are great at. That, that, that leads to them living a better life and the leadership team operating in a more healthy, functional, open and honest, accountable way. Yeah, and it just it speaks volumes for, for anyone who can actually get to that stage of, of letting go. And it's obviously a tough thing for, for most people who are trying to create and they have a clear vision. If you can let go and you can hand the reins to someone who's going to be like, you know, called out Joan, also my co-founder, Lippy. I mean, both of them are so much better at, I mean, they're both also visionaries in their own right, but their ability to keep that train running and perpetuate the further education of the team is just like, I like to say on my very best day, I'd maybe be 60% of what they are from an, from that sort of integration perspective. If I'm lucky. One of my favorite visionary quotations is, well, Peyton, I'm really good at managing people who don't need to be managed. And I just (laughs) wait for a second. And I say, you do realize that's not a thing. Right. I mean, I, I, so, so that, I'm the kind of person who, if I, if my job is fastening lug nuts onto a wheel, I get a kick out of the feel of the lug nut wrench in my hand the first time I use it. And then I like the satisfaction of it being tightened on the wheel the first time. And then I'm bored and I want somebody else to do the other four. That's the way it works. And so if that's the way you're hardwired, please don't, I beg your listeners, Don't put yourself in a job where you have to fasten lug nuts all day. Your company will fail. You need to surround yourself with people who just love fastening lug nuts and they're out there. They're out there. Go find them and let it go. I could not agree more. And I think that that's one of the things, you know, going through this journey as, as all entrepreneurs do is that when you start to find those talented people, how do you actually lean into their entrepreneurial spirit and how do you actually enable them to grow and take things to the next level and the next level? So. Yeah. And that goes back to letting go, Yanni. Um, you know, people, uh, Daniel Pink's book drive is just an amazing piece of work. And, you know, it talks about autonomy and the opportunity to make a difference being more important than monetary rewards or status. And um, so let them make a difference in your business. Give them clear direction, let them know what success looks like, and then encourage them to consistently be successful or blow the doors off and impress the hell out of you. That taps into everybody's ability, desire to push themselves beyond their own capacity. That's the entrepreneurial spirit. I thought yesterday, I thought 10 pounds of progress was possible and I made 20 pounds of progress. That's exciting to me. When somebody is hardwired like that, in my opinion, they're naturally entrepreneurial and you should encourage and cultivate that and hire for that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a fundamental driver. I've just actually had the really good fortune of having several ex-Amazonians on the podcast spending, you know, sort of seven, 10 years plus inside of Amazon. And I don't know if you've read the book, uh, Working Backward uh, or Backwards rather. Um, So that's all about the leadership principles that exist inside of uh, Amazon. Um, But it's just fascinating to see how they breed inside of the culture of Amazon, uh, an entrepreneurial culture to the nth degree. It's, it's, it's insane. So, I mean, 
how do you take the EOS model uh, and then continue to iterate that into creating entrepreneurs inside of the business? Yeah, and 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 again, the 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 tools we teach allow for that where it makes sense, and also acknowledge that there are probably some operations in the business that are going to be staffed by people who are not at all creative, not at all nimble or flexible. They just come in, do great work every day and go home. That, that consistent execution actually frees the entrepreneurial people up in the organization to go do that. And so, you know, what we talk about a lot is being crystal clear on what you're looking for when you're, when you're hiring someone and being honest in the hiring process about whether or not this job requires independent thinking and innovation and creativity or not. Um, you know, the, the, the problems caused in a business by people aren't the people's fault most of the time. It's a mismatch between what the company really needs and who they hire. And you're not going to solve that by having a manager yell at somebody on a regular basis because they're not getting it done. You got to hire for what you need. That and that, that makes such sense. And, you know, to your point as well, I mean, your business typically should be littered with tons and tons of high caliber, high quality implementers, right? You, you're not, you're not trying to build. I mean, if you tried to build a business of straight visionaries, I mean, yeah. good luck to you. Right. Yeah. So, so a funny, funny little story. One of my clients once had on their list of potential core values, they said uh, tenacious comma, never satisfied. And we go through a couple rounds of culling through the list of potential core values. And finally, the head of finance on this particular leadership team raises his hand and he said, you know, I know this is an unpopular thing because you guys all love that, but that sounds awful. Someday we're going to have two. He said, someday we're going to have 250 people in this organization. They were about 50 at the time. And if every one of them is tenacious and never satisfied, I'm personally going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> and the leadership team said, yeah, that's true. 250 of 250. That's that. And so, you know, there are positions in the organization where they hire for tenacious and never satisfied. And there are positions in the organization where they don't. It's not a core value. It's an attribute that's helpful in performing a specific job in the business. So that's why I say this system we teach isn't this sort of rigid, you got to follow all these rules. It's kind of like, what does our business need? How can we harness EOS to figure out how to fill those needs with the right people, the right processes, the right scorecard numbers, the right priorities, et cetera. And it just morphs itself to where your business is in the you know, journey it's taking to become a mature operating entity uh, from the very earliest days of starting in somebody's basement or garage or what have you. That's what it is. And that's what's so fun about this work. Spot on. And, and I think that, you know, like I've said a few times going through it as well, it, it sort of brings you back to center. You know, you have EOS running as your baseline, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all to building out a 10,000 strong company, you need to continue to iterate and evolve. Like we have a, we have a whole department focused on data where we're building analytics dashboards to better manage the processes. And there's all these other elements, but at its core, and I haven't brought this up yet, but that the L10 meeting, the level 10 meeting that we run every single week for 90 minutes is by far the most valuable meeting that you can have all week. That was the one thing 
I, I would say that has had outside of building our rocks and the vision and, you know, understanding, you know, the VTO and, and everything beyond that. But if I could sort of pinpoint one thing that had the biggest fundamental shift and it took us at least six months to, to get it right, we still are yet, we're nine, somewhere in nine to 12 months in, we're still yet to have a full 10 out of 10 meeting. We're very close. Yeah. We've had nines. Um, but now it's this collaborative, you know, I wouldn't say, well, maybe even fierce discussion. At the start, it was one person would drop in an IDS and identify, discuss, solve a, a problem, a challenge that's happening in the business. And it would be one person talking and then it would be the other person, you know, almost one-to-one -one giving feedback. But then, you know, something magic happens and there's this sort of moment in time where it's like, everyone in the management meeting in the l meeting they're all firing off like well this is how we could approach it and this is what we can do and yeah i can i cannot uh i cannot stress enough what that means to get your entire leadership team on the same page every single week not letting issues sort of bubble up yeah your your listeners may uh be helped along by a definition of level 10 meeting so when we do that free 90 minute session with, with potential leadership teams that we're gonna work with, one of the questions we ask is on a scale of one to 10, rate the quality of your internal meetings. And the average answer to that score is slightly lower than four, about 3.8 in my data that I keep around that. Can Makes you sense. imagine doing something for an hour to five hours a week with your fellow leaders that you would rate below four on a level of one to 10 year after year after year. Like I can't imagine that. And that's the way I always felt as a visionary in meetings, they were unproductive. The objectives were unclear. We didn't stay on track. It was never clear who was really running the meeting. And when it's never clear who's running the meeting, the visionary is always going to jump in and try and run the meeting. And truthfully, visionaries are the worst meeting runners on the, team usually because we're so curious and we like to zig and zag and staying focused is not really our strong suit. And so, yeah, it's revolutionary to turn the least productive, most frustrating hour and a half of your week into the most productive, most energizing hour and a half per week. I hear that a lot. And that's a discipline that gets um, improved quickly and mastered typically in the first, as you say, six to 12 months, you're feeling really, really good about your, your, the quality of your weekly meetings. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really been a huge shift for us. Absolutely. So you're like, I mean, I've drawn on it a few times here, being the visionaries, visionary, being in that, you know, large shoes to fill and sort of going through that. I mean, you're effectively and still today helping, all of the entrepreneurs globally who are fortunate enough to come across EOS and, you know, engage in whatever way it makes sense for them. Where do you draw your inspiration from? Who are you looking up to? Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm mad props to Gino Wickman for creating this system and being a world-class mentor to me and his business partner, Don Tinney, who built EOS worldwide and the EOS implementer community from the ground up. Those are my um, inspirers and motivators every day. And, you know, I've spent my entire EOS implementer career trying to emulate the great work that the two of them have done. But I stepped down from the visionary seat um, a year and a half ago, made the decision two and a half years ago so that we had time for a transition. Because I thought in my life, 
about what was really important to me and what I enjoyed most. And there are two things I enjoy more and have more passion for than growing EOS worldwide. I also thought there were probably people on the planet way better at growing EOS worldwide than me. And thankfully, Mark O'Donnell is, is definitely one of them. But the two things I enjoy more is I enjoy being in the session room with my clients. I'm speaking to you from my session room. I've got you know, four, uh, four by 10 whiteboards around me. This is a war room. And I love this work. And I love the feeling of hope and optimism and frustration that walks in this session room when a leadership team needs help. And so, you know, I'm a full-time U.S. implementer. My clients inspire the hell out of me because they're doing the great and difficult work of changing fundamentally to get a different result. And then my family is the other thing. I wasn't, I, when I was an implementer and the visionary for EOS Worldwide, I just didn't have enough time to be present for my beautiful wife, Kate. And our, we have five boys together, um, Henry and Charlie, the 14 and 11 year olds are, are still in the house with us. And, um, you know, I'm, I wanna be a great uh, husband and a great father and, and I couldn't do all three of those things. So that's, that's what inspires me every day, Yanni. And I, I appreciate you asking. And, and, you know, kudos to you as well. I'd say that that's, you know, from, from where I sit and, you know, I'm obviously much, much earlier on in my entrepreneurial journey, I'm sort of at the, at the start here trying to make some good decisions, but I think having sitting down with someone like you and having that foresight and making good decisions as to well, what's really important in life you know, it's not going to be, at least for me, it's not going to be spending 70 hours a week for the next 30 years of my life, 40 years of my life, burning the candle, you know, at both ends effectively, you know, running myself into the ground, missing out on life. So, you know, it's, it's really comforting to hear, you know, even though you love doing both things, you're making very calculated decisions on how you want to live your life and, and the value that you sort of instill in, in family and in focus. Well, and, and, you know, that's entrepreneurs who are successful are in the top, you know, 1% of the, of the free population on this planet. And we long ago passed the point where all the prioritization decisions we had to make were not doing the unimportant stuff and only doing the important stuff. Being a successful entrepreneur means you need to give up stuff you're good at, you love doing, and you feel is necessary to your organization's success. And that's really hard to learn how to do. And it, it helps me a lot that I get the pleasure of coaching other leaders to do that because often I'm talking to them and I'm hearing my own voice in my own head going, yeah, Pete, maybe you should take a little of your own medicine. So that's that's really helped me along on this journey as well. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just great to sort of hear where you sit and I've really appreciated all the time. I'm also just looking at the clock and I can't believe how quickly this, uh, this hour has flown by. Me too. Me too. It's been fun. And I, and I, uh, I enjoy the conversation and I, you know, hopefully you and your listeners can tell I'm just passionate about helping. And if my experiences move anybody, a little closer to achieving their vision and living the life they want to live. Uh, this has been the best hour I've spent all week. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, on that note, before I do let you go, what would be the best way for people to reach out just as a, as and, and any closing remarks you have, you know, with all the years of experience around enabling the growth of visionaries and the growth of entrepreneurs, you know, I'd love uh, yeah. 
yeah, I'll give you words of advice and then contact information. In fact, let me start with that. I'm totally comfortable with you posting my individual contact information in your show notes. So please reach out to me individually if I can help via email is probably easiest. And, um, and then uh, eosworldwide.com is a one-stop shop for anybody wanting to learn more about EOS. And you'll find me on the implementer directory there if you want to connect to me directly. So, and in, in terms of words of advice, what I'd say is if you own, run, or are a leader in an entrepreneurial company, it's not your lot in life to be miserable and frustrated and stuck every week. Take control of your life. Get a grip on your business, pun intended. There we go. And, and make some change happen that allow you to live your ideal life. It's possible. I've seen it play out hundreds of times. And there are people on the planet who live for the opportunity to help you do just that. Wow. Well, Peyton, wise words. I mean, again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day. I got a ton out of this and I'm certain those listening at home will too. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Jim.